This is Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing with Dr. Denise Johnson, a show dedicated to the integration of spirituality, faith, mental health, and emotional wellness. I believe where your spirit leads, your emotions, power, and destiny will follow. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Christian emotional wellness expert and licensed mental health professional, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the topic for today's show is What Goes Around Comes Around, and author Candace Waller will talk about how you can use your writing to heal your emotional pain as she discusses her new book, What Goes Around Comes Around. Candace Waller is a native of a small, quaint town in New Jersey. She received her master's degree in digital publishing from New York University and has published more than 300 articles for newspapers and Black Enterprise magazine. She is also a successful grant writer. In October of 2019, Smile Bandages Ministries awarded her first prize for her short story, My Cat Taught Me Love and Acceptance. Candace published her first novel, What Goes Around Comes Around, in 2017, and the sequel, Good Things Comes, will be available in January 2020. For the past 10 years, Candace has run Why We Dance, a not-for-profit dance group she established. This organization provides free dance classes and festivals for the community. Candace understands that no matter what city the reader resides in, the characters within her book speak to and relate to the reader in a candid way. Candace is available as a resource on a variety of topics related to writing, the self-publishing process, creative arts, relationship tips, and learning how to date yourself. Well, Candice, it is my absolute joy and honor and privilege to have you as a guest on the show today, and I am so excited to talk with you about your new book and how writing has the ability to help people heal from their own emotional pain. So again, just thank you for the openness of heart to share with us today. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I think it's wonderful when we can talk about these kind of topics and kind of offer healing to people because a lot of people need healing in the emotional side. Yes, yes, we do. And whatever we can do to help each other, that is our call and our mandate. Okay, so I'm going to start with the first question. Can you tell us some about your personal history? Well, I started right. I was one of these kids that always liked to write before I knew mm-hmm. that you could make a career as a writer. So I was always <laughs> writing and logging things. Like I wrote, uh-huh. I like to keep detailed records of stuff through writing. Okay. And I would okay. just, I just did it because I loved it. I didn't really think of yes. it as a career. And okay. when I got in high school and college, and I was like, oh, you know, people do, you know, make money with at this. So I just did yes. everything I could to hone my tasks. 
I, you know, yes. I look at, you know, the sports world, and you see these people, they practice their basketball or whatever their sport is. Yes. I did the same thing with my writing. I yes. always took classes. Every year I took at least a writing class. Every year I went to a conference. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. wanted to perfect my writing and to get better and better. Yes, and the thing about your story that I love is that it illustrates to me that usually the seeds of our destiny are planted when we are children. And, you know, and the fact that you always like to write things down and the fact that God gave you that gifting was evident at such an early age. And I I just want to encourage, you know, the listeners that I bet you that many of them have gifts and talents and things that they naturally did as children that might give them clues regarding what their destiny is as well. Yeah, and we have to encourage that as adults. When we see a kid having an inclination for things, because children yes. tell you about themselves. We can't yes, force what do. we want them to do. They have to right. give us what they want to do. And when we see it, we should really try to encourage. Like my family would give me, like, you know, journals, because they knew I liked to write mm-hmm. pens. Mm-hmm. That was something that I liked yes. to do. So they, you know, <laughs> encouraged that by, you know, helping me when I write, you know, complimenting me, you know, giving me my journals, giving me pens, things like that. So if you see your children with anything that could be something they enjoy, I think people should really try to encourage them. Yes, I agree. I agree. So can you tell us some about your spiritual history? Well, I, you know, I grew up, I went to church. I was, um, I was in the Baptist church. And, you know, I, I did go to church, but I also like to read. I always like to read the Bible myself. Even as a young kid, I would read yes. different things. I would take notes on what I thought. Now, <laughs> and I would ask a lot of questions. I was one of those kids that asked lots of questions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like adults, a lot of people read the Bible or, like, go to church, but they don't really read the Bible and they don't understand it. Right. So when you right. start asking them questions, it's like, well, what do you mean? That doesn't make yeah. sense or whatever. And, you know, I remember some, several of my Sunday school teachers being like, oh, my gosh, she's, in, she's asking questions again. Because to me, I didn't feel like, <laughs> you know, you, you feel like I didn't just take stuff because you told me. I had to prove it for myself. Yeah. So yeah. reading the Bible, and I had a different interpretation. Like I would take scriptures and I would put them in my life. Like, yes. I would see how it was modern. Like, these people said it happened thousands of years ago. But really, the, the stories are, are endless because you have fighting within yes. families. You have, yes. you know, people trying to get a man. You know, all, they did yes. that. <laughs> We're still doing that. <laughs> so people's sisters fighting over a man. I mean, this happened. Yes. Yes. So, you know, sure. to me, I saw it as like a, you know, like a kind of like a blueprint of things that happen today. Like, you know, this, my yes. favorite character, person in the Bible was David. Well, David was anointed, but David liked yes. the ladies. You know, he was a little bit of a yes, ladies' man. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He had a lot you know, going on. <laughs> he liked pretty women. So, you know, come on now. Yes. I mean, and you see that today. So nothing's really new under the sun, as my mother would say. Yes. It's just that yes. we kind of say, oh, that never happened. So I always, and because I was so interested in the Bible and history, I always was very much attracted to older people. Yes. Because yes. older people, even though they had gray hair, they didn't come out of in the world with gray hair. They lived to get to gray hair. And they had such yes. interesting stories that they would tell me. Yes. And they loved talking Excellent. to people. Another thing I encourage people, yes. you know, if you mm-hmm. want to know about life, talking to your um, older relatives, they mm-hmm. really have a lot of stuff to share with us, but sometimes we ignore them. Yes. But they really can, they can help you and guide you and encourage yes. you. And, and a lot of times because they're ignored, once you give them the opportunity to talk about themselves or interact with them, they're always so happy to see you. It's true. 
and, um, and, and something else that you said that really resonates with me is how real and timeless the Bible stories are. Because I agree with you. I think that a lot of adults read the Bible stories in a very sanitized way when the reality is these were real people with real emotions, real feelings, real problems that we certainly can still identify with and learn from today. And uh, I like the fact that you brought that out. Because once you get that, I think that it opens up the Bible stories to you in such a different way than if you just look at it academically, you know, or from a uh, dogmatic standpoint. So yeah, you're I right. Like the fact that you raised that. Yeah, it is true because if you even if you look at you know they, people criticize Peter like you know he he disappointed, but you know he had ebbs and flows. Like when you have a life of faith, it you're not always. Yes feeling the most faithful. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you have doubt. And he had that and he experienced that, but he still was someone that, you know, God relied on. So that gave me courage to say, you know what, sometimes I'm not happy. Sometimes I have doubt. Sometimes, you know, things aren't going well. And maybe I don't act the best way I could, but I'm still in the running. It's not over. Yes. Amen. Amen. So then how do your personal and spiritual histories contribute to who you are as a person and to what you're doing today? Well, I I teach a writing course, and one of the first Mm -hmm. things that I tell people, I ask them to write about something that's close to their heart. Because even though my course is a fiction writing course, it's hard to tell people just to write fiction because you have to feel the characters. So the best way to make people feel the characters is have them write about a situation in their life that's close to them. And from then, they can branch out into their other into the fiction side of it. So if they, right. I ask people, tell me about a time where you had someone encourage you. Tell me about a time where you were down about something. Tell me about the happiest time. Because I'm trying yeah. to pull out from their past histories, like strong emotions, what happened, situations that they can use in their writing. Yes. And a lot of times you, when you write, you kind of, it's almost like therapy because you may have been going through an issue and, and you write about it, and then it helps you think about it from different angles as a writer, yes, it and does. it helps a lot of healing with that. Because a lot of times we yes. keep things inside, but you've noticed that people that write and journal, it's almost like a release for them because yes. you're kind of flowing through the um, situation, thinking about it, you know, yes. and, and it helps you to grow. It does. It certainly does. And I like the fact that so you took your – early beginnings in terms of how writing helped you, and now you're using that in your class with your students. I love that. I think that's Yeah, and journaling was – I started out like writing journals. That's how I started. I mean, I didn't have – I was a little kid, eight years old, so I would write about – I thought a guy was cute in class or something crazy, you know what I mean, (laughs) in my little world. And that's how I started. Like, oh, he's cute or, you know, this I had my brother bothered me or something, you know, or my mom made a good meal or I – time I spent with family, and then I started, that's how the writing started for me. I didn't just start writing fiction. I started writing what I actually saw. Okay. And then it kind of graduated from there. Excellent, excellent. And did you know that journaling is one of the tools that we use in counseling when we're helping people? No, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes, we may have them purposely journal their feelings and experiences that they have on a daily basis because it does exactly what you said. It helps them get out the emotions, 
and it helps them look at it and see it in a different way. So yes, we actually do use that as a clinical tool as well. Yeah, see, well, I've kind of, well, I guess I was my own therapist in a, in a lot there of ways. There you go. Because <laughs> a lot of times, you know, I feel like the community, like, you know, the black community in particular, when it comes to mm-hmm. mental health and working through stuff, it's kind of looked down upon to, like, see a therapist. Yes. And yes. it's getting better now, but it's still a little bit of a stigma. So in a way, yes. like, when I had things happen to me, like, journaling was a way to kind of work through it without having to see a counselor. Right. You know, because yeah, and it's also a financial thing too. Well, you know, if you, you know, yeah, working with right. people, you don't have to pay for it. But with writing, it was right. like a free thing, and it kind of released a lot you're of stuff. Right. Now, I mean, I think people, if you do have, like, writing is good, but if you have like really extreme mental health, it, I would advise seeing somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think there's any stigma with it. If I you agree. can, you know, I think you should seek people out. I mean, I had. I had a, like a thing, times in my life where I did go to see counselors for different issues, yes. and it helped yes. me out a lot in addition to the writing. So I think that hand-in-hand, hand, it could be very helpful. Excellent, excellent point. Now, let me ask you, how does your spiritual history contribute to who you are as a person and to what you're doing today? Well, I write, I write you know, one of the genres that I write is Christian fiction. So it's wow. like I'm looking at from the, you know, Christian dating, Christian relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people try to make it like, oh, it's different. They're still people. Like people are people, (laughs) whether they're Christian, Muslim, whatever they are. They're still people. So, you know, some things are going to fall in line, some things are not. And trying to take it from a Christian perspective, I mean, that's how I take the writing. So when I looked at the dating, and my main character in my story, she, when you open up my book, the first thing you know is that she's going through a very troubled time with this man she's been married to. It's not working. Okay. And she's trying right. to hold on to something that you need to let go. Right. And sometimes with Christian people, we, if we pray to God and we ask for him to help us, we have to accept the help he gives us. And that's yeah. hard for us because we say, God, yeah. help me, but help me in the way that I want you to help me. And that may yes. not be the best for us. And we have to learn to accept that the way he helps us is the best for us. And that's what she's yes. going through in the first chapter. Yeah. Like she's got to let it Excellent. go, but she doesn't want to let it go. She wants God to fix it the way she wants him to fix it. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So have you found any challenges with writing about Christian dating and Christian relationships? Um, from Christian people, maybe even. Any challenges in particular? Well, sometimes, you know, they say, like, you know, sometimes people want to, like you said, sanitize everything. You know, Christian right. people have, there's certain levels of it. Like sometimes, you you know, you may fall off the boat. Like, you know, you know it's not happening fast enough, <laughs> so I want to do the, what the world does. You know, and then yeah. they act like it's so different. Like, you know, it depends. Certain Christian faiths, like, oh, you can't be, you can't go out to the movies with the opposite sex. Or, right. or maybe, right. you know, sex before marriage. You know, all that kind of yeah. stuff comes into play. It's the same as what the people who aren't in the church go through. It's just from okay. a Christian perspective. Yeah. Like they're using their yes. faith to kind of navigate it. But it's no different than yes. any other dating. Yes. I agree. I agree. And and I think that because of all the rules and do's and don'ts that a lot of Christian people live under in terms of dating or in life in general, I think it, it keeps them from being able to look at the issue as a human being. And, and I just love the fact that you're writing from a Christian perspective about real things because I think it will, it will open up resources and, and ideologies and, and hearts 
for for Christian people in ways that maybe they haven't had uh, a lot of. So I, I appreciate that about your writing. Thank you. Well, I think this is the perfect place for a break. Please join us after the break when author Candace Waller will talk more about her book, What Goes Around Comes Around, and how you can use writing to heal your emotional pain. everyone you are listening to spiritual principles for emotional healing and I am your host Dr. Denise Johnson and my guest is award-winning author writing teacher and writing consultant Candace Waller who will be talking about her book what goes around comes around and how you can use writing to heal your emotional pain. All right, then. So how do you come up with ideas for your writing? You kind of told us that, but I'll just have you uh, explain. Well, there's a very ways of doing it. Like there's certain themes, like if I'm reading certain scriptures, sometimes those things will come up, you okay. know, like fighting between sisters. If you, you, know, if okay. you know the story of Leah and Rachel, they were fighting yes. constantly. Yes. I, I can't imagine being yes. in that house. It was probably yeah. dreadful because they were fighting over this man. They were fighting over a man. Like, let's be real. He he wanted the younger one. He got the older one, and it was a mess. Then it, yeah. then there's fighting within within you know siblings fighting. Like so sometimes yeah. like when I'm reading it, I kind of see it from like I like I said I pull it into what I see today. And also like I read the news and I look at the okay. newspapers and sometimes current events. Like another thing I'm interested I'm toying with because you see a lot of it. I watch a lot of BET and I watch okay. the show For My Man and all these kind of fatal attraction shows where these women do okay. like crazy stuff just to get a man. <laughs> and I'm okay. like, wow, like I don't know. Like, and I think about like I've done some crazy stuff like for men but not to the extreme world. These people are like killing people and okay. doing, cr- I mean like to, they're, okay. they're going to get them in jail. But you know, there's a limit to that, and that's something that's interesting. Like I'm thinking about for maybe possible project, just thinking about like what would make a woman that had you know some of these women are in the church. You hear the stories; they're in the church, they're whatever, okay. and they get with some guy, and the, the appeal of him is so strong they almost like forget their faith. What would it take yeah. for you to forget your faith and it's just an interesting do stuff question. that you know is clearly wrong? It's an interesting question. And, it and, is, and these women are not necessarily young. Like you think, oh, well, they're teenagers or maybe early 20s, but you see women older than that doing stuff. Like what were yeah, you thinking? Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I think it underscores the point that most of us try to gloss over and underestimate the importance of or a woman's drive to be in relationship with a man. I, I mean, you know, I think that we have a desire to be loved and to love and to belong to someone and to be covered by someone. And that's a real strong desire. And I don't know, I think that we minimize it most of the time. And, you know, I, I think not having that is the thing that drives some people to, uh, to extremes when it comes to that. Yeah, and there are some charlatans out here too. Like in my in my book, the like the woman, my character Nikki, she, you know, the husband she met, he was a smooth talker. He got this okay. girl. She was young, and I don't want to say young and dumb, but young and naive, definitely. And got with this man. It wasn't working out, and now she's married him or whatever. Now she's having. She didn't want to face the embarrassment of like this is not working out. Mm. So she's going to stay with him much too longer than she's supposed to. Right. And then right. finally, God says, you know, what? I'm just going to take him out of your. Because you're never, you're never going to stay up and do it, so I'm going to do it for you. And he leaves her, and now she's like, I don't have anybody. You know, what is my – my identity is so attached to this being the wife right. that I've kind right. of put down my career. You know, I didn't go to school. I didn't do any of the things that I had wanted to do. And, and right. then in the story, so when she gets in, she said, I, like, I want to sing. I want to, I want to write music. I want to be in the gospel world. And that's when she starts pursuing her dream that she, God sends her a man. Because sometimes we're our own – we, 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 we block our own shots. Like we put, right. let people stay in a way, and then we wonder why we're not being blessed. Well, you've got to move that. You've got to move that right. obstacle. And, you know, we have the power to move it, right. and we don't. And then we cry and complain right. we don't get the blessings. But you didn't right. move that obstacle. You knew that wasn't working out. You tried whatever, and now he's finally gone, and now you can start really kind of living the best life that you can because I believe the Bible says that we're supposed to be living our best life. But a lot of times right. we don't live it because we hang on things right. on the past and we don't step out on right. faith and we, you know, all these things that we can do and we just don't do it. Right. And, you know, in line with what you're saying, I think that a lot of Christian women have questions regarding what the Bible says about a woman's role in a relationship you know, up until very, very recently, you know that the, the, the main party line was is that as a Christian woman, you were supposed to stay with your husband, right? You weren't mm -hmm. supposed to divorce him. You were supposed to be subservient to him um, and allow him to be the head of the household in the traditional sense, the way a lot of people interpret the Bible. And, and I would imagine that that has a lot to do with why women might stay in relationships that aren't fulfilling longer than they should. Because I think in addition to, you know, missing the man and being connected to the man, you have to come to terms with, well, if I leave this marriage, am I, you know, failing God? Am I, does this mean I don't have faith? Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot of poor questions about faith, and, and serving God that, that are also tied up into, you know, being in this marriage when I, when I know that it's not necessarily fulfilling and happy for me. And I don't know, I guess in watching a lot of women over the years, you know, a lot of times I've watched Christian marriages and the women didn't seem happy, but they, they seemed to stay anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, I think that we have to understand, and I had to come to this realization too, that it is an interpretation because God created 
women, and he loves women, and he, it was right. never his intention for us to be harmed or hurt. And the first thing right. is a lot of women do really don't pray for to God to send them to someone or really, like, you know, work with God in terms of, being open to men, they say, oh, I, ha- I got this because I know I've done this. I got this. Oh, he, he, on paper he looks good. On paper he, he goes to yes. church and he has the right yes. education, but God didn't send you yes. that man. And we yes. then, so then when we try to get, do God's job for him, then we get the wrong man. So then once we've done that and we're embarrassed because we didn't ask God for the man, we end up with somebody that we know we should. Now, we, now we're, we're stuck in a – we're paralyzed. But that's never, that yes. was never God's intention for women. He, yeah. wa- he loves women, and he wanted – the man is supposed to really cherish the woman. If you, really, yes, if you look at is. Scripture of yes, how a man true. is supposed to love a woman as yes. himself, if you're not yes. getting those kind of things – Yes. God did not say to stay in these kind of situations. I and know. it's, a, oh, you have to stay and all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, he, why would God want us to be harmed? Yes. He wouldn't. Like, you're, some of these people are staying right. in, like, really abusive relationships where people, and my character, he's, like, verbally abusive to the point where okay. her self-esteem is really shot. And it's, you yes. know, it's really horrible. And that's not what she was supposed to be doing. But she didn't pray right. for this man at all. She's just like, oh, you know, he looked he looked good and you know, all this smoke and mirrors, you know, people kind of <laughs> put the spot up, and then they don't let, you don't really get to know who they really are. And sometimes who God sends for you is not necessarily who you think that you would necessarily be with. Like in my character, Nicole, she actually falls for a younger man. He's a little younger, mm-hmm. and he always liked mm-hmm. her, and he used to bother her, and she was like, Ugh. but you know what, you know, that turned out to be the guy who she probably should have been pursuing all along. But, you know, right. he was younger, you know, he was, you know what I mean? He, maybe he didn't have the, yes. the smooth moves as the guy she ended up with. But, you know, okay. sometimes smooth isn't always great because if he's smooth, that means he's yes. had a lot of women and he knows what to say, but he's not, he lacks some sincerity. Right. Right. And so I think that, exactly. you know, like the, the important thing with my character, I said, you know, she had to really come into her own before she could even attempt to, like, be with someone else. She had to find what made her happy. She had to be living yeah. her best life. You know, she loses weight. She gets her hair done. She starts clearing out her house, and she starts working on herself, and then she meets a man, and it goes slower. Like, they're friends. He's her support. Right. And before this becomes whatever, I think a lot of times women move too quickly. Right. And it's, you can fake it but only for so long. So if they're moving right. very fast, that could be a clue that maybe – things aren't so great, and you need to slow it down. You just really right. be asking certain questions and, like, really learning about, you know, this guy tried to hurt my character. The guy was trying to hide money from her, and she's trying to, you know, it was, like, really stressful, you know, yeah. with this person. But, you know, she kind of got yeah. herself into it. Now she's got to kind of get herself out of it. Yes. And, you know, it, it's so interesting to me that you bring up the point about women usually like to move faster uh, than the man does in relationships. And, you know, I think part of the reason why we do that as women is because, you know, we have a bonding chemical that's called oxytocin that women have more in more abundance than men do. And so okay. that's one of the reasons, that and estrogen, and that's one of the reasons why we do usually feel more for the man more quickly than men do. We bond with a man much more easily uh, than a man bonds with a woman. It takes men more time 
And so, you know, I agree with you that, that the other reason why women ought to take longer when they're dating a man is that a, a man, his oxytocin level is not as high as yours, and it really does take him more time to build an emotional bond because of the way he's built, because of the way he's made. Um, and, and also in that waiting period, you, you need to be looking at his character, right, and, and his value system and all those other things. And how he handles his money because that's a match. big fight, yes. especially that's a huge yes. fight, you know, with dealing with yes. that. And women are generally, you know, they don't do that. They look at and, and something, sometimes it's all, like, outside. Like, the, my, my character, Nicole Gonzalez, her, her husband, Ricardo, mm-hmm. he was very good-looking. So he had okay. that smoothness. He was older than her. He was very yes. good-looking. He had money flashing all over the place. So she thought, oh, she was a daddy's girl who Perfect. lost her father. So yes. she thought, oh. Okay, well, then there you go. Okay. Right? So she thought that whatever. And so the Luke, the guy that she starts like afterwards he really he was younger so he had like he was a little immature and maybe he maybe didn't could they could have grown into each other but she was so devastated over one thing don't let one loss make you move too quickly into something else like sometimes you got to learn to like let the healing and stand in the healing and people don't like that they don't want to be uncomfortable for even one second so you know (laughs) then you sometimes you make mistakes when you do that a lot of times you make mistakes if you move fast Yes, and, and it's so interesting, that the point that you made about, you know, her losing her father and so she was, had been a daddy's girl. I think a lot of times Christians underestimate whether or not their history impacts their behavior. I don't even think most people look at that um, when they're looking at a mate. You know, most, most people, unless we think about it, we are drawn to the images and the types of people that we grew up with as children. Most, most women either pick their father as a mate or they pick the polar opposite of their father, trying to do something different. But it's still in reaction to the father figure. Or, as you know, women who grow up without a dad, right, have another strong pull just to be in relationship with any man because they miss the male influence. So even as Christian women, our Christianity and our faith doesn't override you know, our natural tendencies and inclinations in terms of our histories and, and who we are as people. So I love that you brought that uh, that point to everybody. Yeah, it's, it's important um, because, I mean, she – so the first book, you know, I wrote, like, I you know, you kind of hint at it. And then in the second book, um, Good Things Come, like, my character, um, her father was Puerto Rican. So she decides to go okay. back to Puerto Rico and kind of, like, learn a little bit more about him and kind of resolve that past history. Because she felt like, you know, he died when she was in high school, just when she finished high school. And so they never got a chance to really, like he was planning to take her to Puerto Rico. And then when he passed away, that all changed. And then she met what she calls the jerk. And then she gets with him. And, (laughs) like, all that kind of passes away. And she kind of reconciles her past. Because, like you said, you cannot really be with someone unless you kind of reconcile the hurts and past that you had. It it carries with you in your adult relationships. It and does. so she goes to Puerto Rico, and she, you know, meets her father's family because there was some family drama that she never really got to meet them. And mm-hmm. it really was like a healing trip for her Excellent. to connect with them. Yes. So what kinds of issues has writing helped you deal with specifically for yourself? Well, I kind of, I kind of, it's so funny because, you know, on my blog, if you go to my blog, com, I have a ton of self-publishing articles, but I also have articles on love because I write about 
love. So I talk okay. about like dating issues. You know, I'm writing about oh, I ask, I've asked guys out. I talk about being on the first date. So like I write about issues that you know, come up with in my own dating life or I'm talking with my friends nice. and I'm like, oh, so that definitely, and that definitely kind of feeds into my other writing as well. Yes. Yes, I love that. And then what then was your exact inspiration for writing what goes around, comes around, and the sequel that you were telling me about? Well, I, um, I wrote the book. Actually, I wrote this book a long time ago. I'm going to admit this. I wrote this book okay. a long time ago, and I was like, I was in publishing. I worked for a couple publishing houses in New York City, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, like I saw, I saw publishing from the publishing side, and self-publishing wow. was even big back then. So I'm like, oh, okay. it was so frustrating, and I said, I can write a book. So I started writing, 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 but there wasn't, self-publishing wasn't to the level that it is right now. It's kind okay. of exploded in the past five years. So I wrote the book, and I was right. like, oh. And then I put it on the shelf, and I started working and working and working. And then um, I went to a nano event and with, at, at my public library because they have them during the month of November. That's National Novel Writing Month. And I was okay. like, okay. I said, I want to write a book. So I met with this other writer, and I said, let's talk about writing a book. And I said, actually, I've already written one. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you wrote a book already in full and you haven't <laughs> done anything? Are you out of your mind? And I'm like, okay. well, I don't know. Maybe it's not even that good because, you know, I just wrote it because I was, it's about date. I've never been married, but I know what it's like to have disappointment in relationships and some of the issues of, like, you know, feeling sad about different things. And my father died when I was young, too. So, like, that okay. I could relate to. So that came okay. in the book. And um, okay. I said, well, let's see. And so she was – she didn't know me. I didn't know this girl Mm-hmm. I met her at a nano event, so we had no history together, and she, we had from different demographics. You know, she's a young white girl. I'm an African-American woman, so, and right. she was a college student. I was already into my career, so we were very okay. different. And so she read the book and actually edited the book, and I wrote actually two books, another book while okay. I was in there, because she would read over the book, and she would say, oh, change this, but she actually liked the story. And I was okay. so surprised because she is not my demographic. Like, I okay. didn't write the book – for someone like right. her to like. Because right. when you write a book, right. you have a demographic of who you yes. think is going to be interested in it. And anybody can read a book, but you write, you know, when you promote a book, you, you know, promote a certain demographic. And she actually liked the book, and she was like, okay. no, this is a good story. And she helped me fix stuff and tweak stuff, and, and it worked out really, really well. But it was unexpected. And nice. that's how it started. So then... She was like, oh, you should definitely self-publish this. She said, you have the story. You just needed some editing and, like, smoothing out. So that's how it started. It was something that I wrote for fun for myself. I put okay. it on a shelf, didn't think about it, reconnected with someone at a nano event, and then we started – it took us, I want to say, maybe eight months okay. to, like, hone which, this story. Which a while. Okay. Yeah, but then I was writing another story. Because I, I had this story, and she would read this, and then I was writing another story. Because I, I, she would already, I had already written this story. So I was working on another story because it was basically basically written. I just didn't have the courage to, um, to actually publish it. All right, then. And so what would you say was, like, the biggest feedback that you got from her about it? Well, she can relate to it, too. She understood this character because when you're talking about relationships, relationships cross all races, ages. Everybody can can relate to them because most of us have had 
relationships, yes. and some have yes. been good, and many have been have been bad. So that's what right. she she said. You know, this character is kind of believable. She's likable. You know, she's kind of a little quirky. You know what I mean? She, <laughs> in the first chapter, she's like fighting with this man, and you know, and he brings his girlfriend over. It was drama, and she said, "You have drama. Oh, you have no. all this." whatever okay. in the story and so she understood okay. that because you know she said even in her family like like she was telling me about like and we talked about her parents and how the relationship she didn't have a great relationship with her dad and like okay. issues that were going on with that you know what i mean and then like she didn't like the heat they he didn't live with them so like she understood right. like what this girl was kind of going through right well i think this is the perfect place for a break. Please join us after the break when author Candace Waller will talk more about her book, What Goes Around Comes Around, and how you can use writing to heal your emotional pain. everyone you are listening to spiritual principles for emotional healing and i am your host dr denise johnson and my guest is award-winning author writing teacher and writing consultant candace waller who will be talking about her book what goes around comes around and how you can use writing to heal your emotional pain. So then would you say that when someone is writing a book or attempting to write a book, having relationships with other people who are also writing or editing it for you is something that's helpful and necessary? I think I am part of several writing groups, and I'm a big proponent of doing that, but you have to find the right group. And actually I wrote an article on my blog about writing groups. Um, I think that you should have a writing group and this is why I say say you should do it. When I was meeting with this other writer, when we went to the nano event, it was only two of us and the person that was facil- facilitating it. And okay. because I met with this girl on a weekly basis, it forced me to have writing done. It forced me to Okay. It set me out of my comfort zone because I can write a lot of stuff and never share it. And okay. she was like every week you know, when you go on a writing group now if you got a writing group and it's just you and this other person and you don't have writing stuff what, there's no group. So I would have to write right. five pages or ten pages or whatever it was every week. And people say, oh, okay. that's not a lot. But it's the consistency that gets the book yes. done. Because if you yes. write a, five pages a week, which is like a page a day, and you have two days okay. off, by the end All of the right. year you're going to have a book, Okay, <laughs> a rough book. All right. 
Yes. See, and people don't realize that. So that's why I think that working with writing groups has been very beneficial because you learn different things about the writing craft. Like I wrote an article yeah. recently, um, this author, he had written, he's published like thousands and thousands of books on Amazon, and he gave me tips, mm-hmm. marketing tips. Nice. So that was something, and people liked the article. Previously I wrote a book, an article about this lady, and she self-published, and she sold 200,000 copies of her book, and she self-published. Wow. And she gave okay. tips. She was at a writing event. Okay. So I nice. say go to writing groups because you network with other writers. They give you feedback. And also go to writing events like different, you know, conferences and stuff like that because that also helps you make connections and meet with people. And it's, I think it's so very, very important for writers to – because it's very solitary to write. Like you can write and nobody can see it, but, you know, you need – it encourages you. It makes you better. Right. You, yes. you critique other writers so you learn from them and they help right. you. So I think it's beneficial. Now, it can – some groups are not supportive – so you have to okay. be careful. I'm going to all say right. that with a caveat because some groups are like, if you've got people ripping your stuff all the time, find another group. Oh, no. That can happen because some people are, yeah. like I was in a group and um, I write a certain genre. And sometimes okay. the groups like don't always write Christian fiction. Sometimes they write other stuff. And I this see. person was like, oh, you didn't do this, I'm saying. But for this genre, it works. Now, with the okay. genre you write it, it may not. But you have to understand yes. that there's certain – um, characteristics for different types of writing. And right. what I did is not, would not be terrible for people who are reading my type of book. Yes, excellent point, excellent point. Now, you know, I, I didn't ask you what lessons you wanted the reader to take away from your book when they read. Well, I think for this one and the sequel, what goes around comes around, and for the sequel that's coming out, soon um, good things come. I want them to take away from that even a couple things. One, that they're stronger than they think, that women are powerful, and that God loves women. Because sometimes when I listen to churches and stuff, they they don't stress that God really loves women and he wants us to be happy, that he wants us to have a relationship with him. And then before we try to, you know, stretch out and deal with other people, um. And I want them to know, feel like this sort of sense of resiliency. Like just because yes. you did made a mistake, you know, you can recover from that. It's not right. all lost. Yes. Excellent. So in your book for the characters, did spirituality play a role in their healing in the book? Well, in the book, in the first book, um, you know, she has she what she does is that she realizes that she needs to be she has to have a sense of gratitude because sometimes when bad things happen, we concentrate on all the bad things. Like, okay, your okay. husband left you. Okay, things are going back like crazy at work. But what can you be thankful for? So she and her friends meet on a weekly basis and they write and thank you God journals, oh, and they nice. write. And they talk about scripture, whatever, and what they're thankful for. And now sometimes, like, they kid around about, you know, different things. But it really helps put a center um, of being, uh, having a positive. Because nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer. You know what I mean, that expression, right. Debbie Downer? You want to be around people that are positive. And if you right. are concentrating so much on the bad things happening to you, yes. You know, it kind of comes through. Like in 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 my in this in this book, there are four female characters, and one of them happens mm-hmm. to be a teenager. 
that, okay. you know, Nikki has kind of mentored. So we have a little bit of um, – she doesn't have children, but she has this little young woman that she mentors. And she said, I want mm-hmm. everyone to focus on the positive. So let's think about what we're thankful for. And it kind of – it makes subtle changes in her personality because when we first meet her, Nikki is very, very angry. She's very, okay. very angry. She's unhappy. She's angry. She's ha- doing destructive behaviors, you know, okay. f- dealing with this man. And then it's only when she starts to focus away, on, on away from that, she has, you know, she reads her Bible more. She, she starts focusing on the positive things in her life that nice. she's able to change from the inside out. I love and then that. she gets the attention of, a, of, a, of not one man, but two men. <laughs> okay. I love that, focusing on the inside and, and then watching how the inside changes the outside. I love that because, you know, the, the culture tells us to do the opposite, right? Focus it does. You outside. know what? You could be yeah. beautiful on the, on the outside and be all ugly and messed up inside. Yeah. And, like, that's not... That's not true. You have to take care of yourself. Like she starts eating better and she yes. starts to, and she's not looking for a man. She's just looking right. for finding her purpose. And then through her purpose, she meets people because you attract what you think yes, about in your it's subconscious. True. It's like true. if you're always negative, you're going to be around negative people. Yes, it's But if true. you're saying, I want to do this and I'm thankful and I'm grateful, that positivity attracts people to you that are doing that. Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? And and so that's what she kind of does. And then she can almost she can actually stand up to this ex-husband who in the second book thinks he's going to just come back in her life after he did all his stuff. Oh, no, he isn't. <laughs> and she actually can stand up to him because in the past he has been able to worm his way back into her life. Okay. And, you know, because that's her husband and she, you know, right. he ain't right. right. So right. she didn't feel comfortable and confident enough in herself to say, look, okay, yeah. you know, I can be by myself and I'm all right. Yes. I love that. What kind of response have you had to the book? Do you know? Well, you know, I've just, I've learned something. I'm like a lot of authors. I came from very big houses and okay. I did the publicity for like a, someone from a traditional publisher as opposed to self-publishing mm-hmm. is very different. Like I okay. wrote the book and like I said, I really didn't do a lot of promotion because okay. I was like, oh, I'm writing for myself. So now I'm starting to do promotion. I'm thinking okay. about doing a promotion for just, you know, because the second book is coming out soon. So I want to do okay. a promotion for the first book, and I want to build up my website. So that's what I've been doing because I've done a lot of, like, you know, different talks. Like I'm available if people want me to talk about, you know, self-publishing, or they only talk about women yes. issues, whatever, or as part of a program. And right. so I've done a lot of selling that way, but not so much – do the online, and that's what I'm concentrating on. And I want to be, I would like to go to some book clubs and churches to talk about these issues as well. Yeah, which sounds like a wonderful venue, uh, you know, going to some church things, maybe like Women's Day and things, right, to uh, talk about relationships. I can see that being very helpful for everybody. Yeah, interesting, and you know, in a non-judgment way, because a lot of times when people do stuff or in these situations, they try to, they try to put on a front. Like, in, right. if, you, if you read my first chapter of the book, like, you know, like my young character, Lisa, is almost like the conscience of, of Nikki because she is the same age 
that when her father died, so, like, they kind of, she kind of can see how things were. Like, you know, you kind of live life, and you don't kind of want to look back or whatever. But Lisa right. is helping her kind of look back and seeing how her life was and, you know, and giving her hope. And Lisa also kind of calls her out on her on how she behaved. Like, you know, you know that's not right, whatever, whatever. And she's like, yes. oh, I got this kid looking at me. Because our children, like, when we have issues, whether you're a teacher or you're a parent, and you have little people looking at you, like, they're your conscious. You know what I mean? They yes, kind of can call you out on stuff. And you really can't fake the funk with children. That's you true. You really can't. That's true. That's true. They're very perceptive. Yes, and even if you don't, even if you try open. to hide stuff. You know, and she's like, you know, Nikki, you know, you always telling me to do stuff. You need to do something for yourself, and you need to come out of this, this funk you're in. And, and like, she kind of like is her like cheerleader, and kind of nice. kind of helps her push herself into doing th- things. Sometimes you need a little push. Yes, I agree. So then, what tips do you have for people who are interested in writing themselves? Well, I like I said, I believe in, um, you know, writing from what comes from your heart. Okay. Um, I believe in like joining writing groups. Like I have, like, you go okay. on my blog, CandaceWaller dot com. Like I have a whole bunch of like articles on writing and publishing and marketing, okay. and that's what I and I send stuff out. If you know, I'm getting ready to start a mailing list, so if people want articles on that, I can definitely give that, and I also do a class. Um, like you have to just, and I think you have to be consistent. Like you know, okay. you may people think, oh, I have busy lives. When I wrote my book, the first one, you know, and even the second one, I was working like a lot of hours, like doing it. But I made right. time. Like maybe it was only 30 minutes a day. Yes. But if At you consistently do that and say, like, if I write a page a day in a month, that could be 20, 30 pages. And if you yes. add that up over a year, you got a book. You have yes. a book. And so That's it's true. the consistency in writing that people have to do. They can't just write it and then six months later not write again. If they can help. Yes. I understand that life gets in the way. Sometimes you have things going on that's crazy out of your control. But for most people, they have to make a commitment to write. You know, right. we watch, you know, people say, I don't have time. But you have time to watch a sitcom. A sitcom yes. is typically 30 minutes. If you said, I'm going to yes. give up watching one TV show and I'm going to yes. write a page, you would have a yes. book. And people make it yes. this great thing. And it's, no, it's not. Like, it, if you consistently sit there and, like, write, Give up something. You have to give up something to get. You have yes. to give to get. That's true. And sometimes That's people aren't true. gonna aren't willing to do that. Yes. You know I you agree. can't. You know, like I, one of the things I'm doing is like I need to like build up my website and stuff like that. Well, I want to tell you that you have been a wonderful guest, and um, you gave us a lot of things to think about in terms of writing. And I'm sure that there are many people out there whose passion for writing has been refueled. Uh, not only with what you said, but also the encouragement that you gave regarding the resources in terms of how to go about doing it, even from a business and a publishing perspective. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Yeah, and thank you for having me. And like I said, if you want you know, different or more articles on writing and publishing or love, please check out my website. Um, it's www.candiswaller.com. And how do you spell uh, Candace Waller just so that they know? Okay, so it's spelled Candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E-W-A-L-L-E-R.com. So that's my website. You You know, my first book is What Goes Around, Comes Around, and that's available now. And my new one's coming out later, and that's Good Things Come. Excellent, 
Excellent. So you know, at the end of my show, I always ask my guests to pray or say a blessing or an affirmation over the audience about the topic that we spoke about today. So I'm going to ask you to do that for us now. Okay. Well, I, I think as an affirmation that I would like to say is that I feel that, you know, we just have to realize that we all have value. So I would yeah. say I have value, I have purpose, yeah. and I have the love of God, and I can achieve all of my dreams. Excellent. And I will say amen and amen. As we continue in prayer, oh God, I praise you and I thank you for another opportunity to speak your name. I praise you and thank you, O oh God, for giving us a venue in the marketplace, O oh God, where your name has the preeminence. I lift up my wonderful guest to you today, O oh God, Candace Waller. I thank you, O oh God, for how you planted the seeds of writing into her heart when she was a little one. I thank you how you nurtured that gift, O oh God. And I thank you, O oh God, that now you've given her the ability to use those giftings to help others. I speak life, O oh God, over those in the audience who believe they also have the gift of writing, that you would nurture it and give it a venue and give it away where there is no way. I, I ask you to fill them with words to write, O oh God, and give them the ability to take the time to do it. I think that you will send them resources and people and situations and circumstances that will help them to meet their destiny regarding their writing, O oh God. I speak life also, O oh God, over those in the audience who are dating. I thank you, O oh God, that you will give them the wisdom to know which dating relationships to pursue and which ones to leave and which ones to nurture, O oh God. And I thank you, O oh God, that you will give them the ability to remember in the midst of their dating or in the midst of their pain of their loss, O oh God, that it is your love for them, O oh God, that will carry them through. It is your love for them, O oh God, that will show them the way. It is your love, O oh God, that is going to work all things together for good. I thank you for the model that the love of your son has shown us, O oh God, regarding our dating life, O oh God, so that we will have the eyes to see that those that truly love us will be willing to sacrifice for us, O oh God. I just commit dating, I commit writing, I commit the people, I commit whatever their other needs are, I commit this radio station, I even commit myself into your hands, and I praise you and I thank you for the joy of loving you and being loved by you. I thank you that your love can overcome all things. I just commit all of this into your hands in the name of your Son, whom I utterly adore. Amen. You have been listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson, and this show will be available to you to listen to on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash spiritual principles for emotional healing. And you can also hear my show on Spotify. Because I am believing God that as you repeatedly listen to these prayers, he will heal your brokenness the same way he has used these prayers to minister to my brokenness. And lastly, I want you to always remember where your spirit leads, your emotions, power, and destiny will follow. <laughs>